Chapter Five of Plough Stories by Clara D. Pearson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Quaker Boy and the Pewter Cup. Jethro called a woman's voice, pleasant but very, very firm. Jethro, thou art needed at the churn. The Quakeress wore a grey stuff gown and had a thin gauze cap on top of her head. She stood still and listened for a reply, but none came. She called again more loudly jethro jethro thou art needed at the churn this time there was a soft reply jethro jethro and a few seconds later churn churn it was only an echo sent back from the nearby hillside of the massachusetts farm so the quaker mother turned back to her kitchen and seizing the dasher of her old-fashioned churn brought the butter herself when she had wished to be cooking by the fireplace at one end of her kitchen. Meanwhile, under some wild bushes behind the old barn, a boy was sitting, as still as a statue, with his clumsy knife on his knee, holding the mouth of his dog too tightly to permit even the slightest sound to escape. Not only that, but his other hand was on the dog's flank, pressing him so close to the ground that no motion was possible which might cause a swaying of the bushes or a tell-tale rustle when the boy heard the closing of the kitchen door he released the dog and patted him tenderly i did not wish to hurt thee spot he said but i did not feel called to go just then and thou art too apt to speak when others are spoken to with this explanation made he took up a large potato from the ground beside him a potato in which a few cuts had already been made, and bent busily over it, adding one cut here and another there, pausing often to turn it over and over in his hand, and to compare it with a queerly cut potato on the ground before him. At last he spoke again to the dog, that was then lying near, his nose between his paws, and his eyes rolling this way and that as he followed every motion of his young master spot he said thou shouldst be a good judge of ploughs by this time tell me dost thou not think this mould-board far better than the last one spot pleased at being noticed wagged his tail until it thumped on the ground good cried his master young jethro wood i see that thou dost think even as i do moreover thou showest great good judgment when thou speakest with thy tail rather than with thy mouth it tells quite as much to those who are near and nothing to those at a distance thou art a wise dog spot a very wise dog and that is why i trust thee with my secrets spot catching approval in jethro's voice wagged harder still and then arose slowly stretching himself first forward and then back as is the custom of dogs and then gently nosing at the carved potatoes hold still spot cried jethro hold still i would use thee as a drying cloth for my new plough the dog obeyed and jethro used his shaggy coat on which to dry his latest carving now we will try it in the earth as we did the other he said drawing the tiny plough many times through a pile of fine earth nearby it doth not scour he said as he saw a bit of earth clinging to the damp little model 
it doth not scour but that is because my impatient spirit made me try it ere it dried it doth not scour but methinks it turneth the soil over far better than the last i would think it could be dried without warping and losing its fine shape but since that cannot be and potatoes would fain be potatoes even when i would have them ploughs there remaining naught for me but to try my knife on wood that reminded him of something and leaving his tiny model protected by stones he went to the woodpile behind the house where he was soon swinging the axe with a skill that proved him used to doing it mistress wood her churning now quite done stepped to the door to reprove him for not being ready to churn but when she saw the swift sure strokes of the shining axe and noted the neat pile built up after the chopping of the day before she paused smiled and at last returned to her work without speaking jethro who had heard the door open and close again smiled also after a while spot he said i will carry in a great armful of the best wood and by that device we shall be quite safe you and i all of which shows that even quiet quaker lads of the eighteenth century were somewhat like other lads of the twentieth century the next morning friend wood jethro's quaker father finished his early breakfast and led the morning worship with which the household began each day sometimes with bible reading and spoken prayer but more often in perfect silence that done he said jethro i would have thee prepare potatoes this day for my planting thou knowest how it should be done and i would have thee waste no time since the ground is right for planting and it should be finished forthwith and jethro added mistress wood as the door closed behind his father i would warn thee to cut no ploughs from the potatoes to be planted else thou art like to feel thy father's cane across thy shoulders which showed that even quiet quaker mothers of the eighteenth century were somewhat like other mothers of the twentieth century night after night young jethro whittled on his mottles by the open fire in the living-room gathering up his shavings from time to time to cast them on the blaze and always sweeping the hearth clean at last with the stout birch broom which stood in the chimney corner the other children begged him to play cat's cradle or jackstones with them but his models meant more to him by day he was usually dutiful and helpful yet many an odd minute he snatched to look over and feel of the big wooden plough which he was not strong enough to guide it was not greatly different from those used in holland and england or from those which the pilgrims had wrought for themselves in the early days of the colonies it was all of wood save as a small iron share was fastened to the mould-board a small iron coulter to the wooden beam and scraps of old iron nailed to the mould-board to lessen the wearing action of the soil jethro's father was well-to-do else he might not have had so good an implement many farmers still used only stout branches with prongs one day when friend wood was ploughing new ground which was full of stones his wooden mould-board broke and the other parts were more or less wrenched apart and splintered 
so that it took him a long time to repair it that day a great new idea came to jethro and he thought of it so hard and so long that he made strange mistakes in his work and was strongly reproved by his parents after supper he was sent to his bedroom to bring down a garment which he had asked mistress wood to mend and as he climbed the steep stairs this great new idea came back to him it was the thing about which he was really thinking but as the light of his candle fell on the old four-posted bed with its feather ticks piled high on its lacing of bed cord it seemed to suggest a familiar action to him so he removed his clothes and went to bed snuffing out his candle and staring into the darkness dreaming about his great new idea jethro called his mother from below the stairs what art thou doing that thou dost not return then jethro aroused with a start and began to dress himself in haste this was not easy of course because he had blown out his candle and the only way in which fresh fires or candles could be lighted was by the use of flint and steel which he did not have he scrambled around in the darkness and managed to dress himself in his plain worn garments then he had to find the breeches which he always wore to the quaker meeting on first day and carry them below jethro said his father thou art slower than molasses in january thou art a very snail for slowness dost thou not see that his candle is out asked mistress wood even thou i think wouldst be slow if thou hadst to fumble and grope thy way about give me thy better breeches she said to jethro and i will mend them ere the fire be covered for the night swiftly her needle flew to and fro as she sewed up the long rip in the stout gray breeches and then she called jethro to her and handed them to him jethro she said very softly thy mother heard thy bed creak when thou wast above stairs didst thou grow absent-minded again and retire for the night jethro hung his head shamefacedly but he answered truthfully i did he said my candle was out because i had snuffed it out i have a wonderful new idea about ploughs it grips me day and night nevertheless said mistress wood thou must learn to rule thy thoughts and not to become careless in the everyday business of life if thou choosest to use thy playtime on thy plough models it is well and thou mayest be blessed by them in the end thy working hours belong to thy people who clothe and feed and shelter thee and during those hours thou shouldst sternly banish from thy mind thoughts of anything save present duty remember this my son now put away thy whittling and light thy candle once more this time thou shalt stay in bed until morning about a week later when mistress wood had left her house to set a broody hen jethro slipped in through the door on the farther side and climbing on the settle reached down a big pewter cup from its place with other seldom used dishes on the upper shelf his wonderful new idea was gripping him so hard that he had resolved to sacrifice the old cup which had been his grandfather's gift to him to an experiment he knew that his parents would not approve of it so he took the cup when they were absent 
but he took only what was his own when the hen was properly set and the fresh laid eggs were gathered in mistress would return to her house and missed nothing she did not dream that her son was speeding away to their sugar bush his gift cup hidden under his jacket and some coals from the kitchen hearth in an old bucket quite covered with ashes jethro had been given a half day for play since the work in the fields was not crowding and she thought him at a neighbor's home out in the sugar bush where every spring the fine old maples were tapped for sap and the great iron cauldron steamed day and night during the sugaring off jethro laid down his plunder next he heaped up some of the dry wood which had been left over from the last sap boiling started a fire by using his precious live coals and settled down to coaxing the first flames by feeding them strips of birch bark that bark as everyone knew in those days was full of oil and made fine fire lighters when he had a strong blaze jethro put his pewter cup in an old dipper which had been used for sap and saw it melt slowly into a thick silvery pool Nearby was a little hollow in the ground filled with sand which he had fetched from the shores of a pond and dampened until it would pack well in this lay the last wooden plow model which he had whittled he had packed the sand closely about it with his hands tamping down with his mother's potato masher which was shaped much like half of a rolling pin it was not for nothing that jethro had hung about the foundry and asked questions of the workmen when he drove to town with master wood spot nosed around the place and tried to crowd in between his master and the work which so interested him he could not understand why jethro paid so little attention to him at last when he almost trod upon the sand mold jethro saw that he must be sent away he dared not shut him up or tie him lest he howl and draw somebody to the sugar bush so catching sight of a rabbit he sent him rushing after that and then turned again to his work it took but a minute to lift the tiny wooden model from its sand bed and then he bent over to inspect the imprint which it had left every line and curve was perfect now jethro he murmured to himself if thou canst but hold thy hand steady and pour no more pewter than will fill thy mould to the edges thou wilt have thy metal plough at last the pewter was ready spot was out of sight the sugar bush was perfectly still and jethro's great moment had come he lifted the old dipper and poured from it with steady hands for a minute he feared that he lacked metal enough to fill the mould but luckily as it spread out on the moist sand it reached to the very limits set for it then was jethro happy indeed for his wonderful great idea was working before milking time the little pewter plough was cold and hard enough to be lifted from its bed then the smouldering fire was carefully put out by dumping the damp sand on it the old dipper hung in its place spot recalled from scratching at a chipmunk's burrow and jethro started back with his precious plough hidden where the cup had been 
as far as he knew it was the very first cast metal plow in the world he dreamed of the time when he should be a man and make iron plows of working size casting them in a real foundry for some days he kept his new model a secret stealing time to fit it with a wooden beam and handles then he was so delighted that he could keep the secret no longer i may as well have the pleasure of showing it he told spot when next we have guests to tea my mother will miss the cup and i shall have to confess i wish that thou wert not so big a dog spot if thou wert smaller i would hitch thee to my plough and drive thee in our living-room thou wouldst look so fine if harnessed to it a few minutes later another idea came to jethro spot he said solemnly thou wilt have to see thy hated enemy our tabby drawn this same plough which thou hast helped me devise and mind spot that thou darest not growl or chase her while she draws it thou must remember her sharp claws and how she punished thee last first day for stealing her food and again he said spot thou must not howl when they whip me for melting the cup the pleasure that i have had means more to me than many whippings so do not be too sorry for thy master my father hath told me that the life of an inventor is a hard one but he considereth only the outward misfortunes he doth not know the joy which cometh from thinking out a new device that evening when the family were sitting by the whale oil lamp in the living-room and mistress wood had its thick lens so fixed as to throw its brightest beams upon her spinning-wheel she noticed that jethro coaxed the cat to come to him behind the high-backed settle how fond the lad is of animals she thought always spot and now tabby must share his play a few minutes later just as the fire blazed highest on the hearth out came a bewildered and troubled tabby dragging behind her a tiny metal plough she was followed by jethro flushing and proud what now exclaimed his father is this thy latest invention yes replied jethro this is my wonderful new idea why should men make their ploughs with wooden mould boards to wear and split as they do instead of casting them of metal friend wood considered long for quakers dislike unseemly haste it may be he said that thine idea is good indeed it seemeth so to one who hath had his troubles with implements and yet it would be a mighty change to make farmers are slow to leave off doing as their fathers did before them new ways are fearsome to them and jethro the way of the inventor is hard jethro's happiness was great for never had his father shown such faith in his inventions if a metal plough seemed good to his father that stern just man he thought that it must seem good to all the world but he had not time to make reply for tabby tired of her part was trying hard to rid herself of harness and plough and jethro sprang to rescue it when he had it free and safe he found his mother gazing sternly at him thou art very clever she said but thou canst not make pewter where didst thou get the metal for thy casting i melted down the cup which grandfather gave me he replied it was my own 
and I melted it. It was thine own to drink from, not to melt, she said, and while thou knowest I would not permit its melting, thou tookest it by stealeth like a thief in the night. Thy plough may be very fine, although we women cannot judge as to that, but thy taking the cup was sinful, and thou shalt be whipped for it. Yes, said Jethro, I knew that I should be whipped, but first let me put my casting on the mantle. I wish thou couldst have seen how beautifully it melted. Children had many whippings in those days. Even young men of twenty were often soundly caned for their misdeeds, so to Jethro one more whipping seemed to matter very little. It is true that he pranced and cried as the birchen rod fell on his back and legs, and Spot howled until he was turned out of doors, but, and this is the queer thing about it, the whipping did not sound like a hard one. When it was ended, and Friend Wood released his grasp upon his son, and said, Now, hie thee to thy bed, and take thy pewter plough along with thee, Jethro gave him a look which seemed almost grateful. May I let Spot in first, he asked. And when Master Wood gave permission, he lingered in the woodshed to caress the dog. Spot, he whispered, thou needest not to whimper, nor yet to lick my hand so sorrowfully. He had to whip me, else the other children might be melting their cups, and we should soon have empty shelves instead of full ones. But Spot, there was small pain in such a whipping. For though he raised the rod high and looked full stern, he stayed it somewhat on its downward course. And now tis over, and on the morrow we will melt that pewter again, for I believe that I can make another plough still better. Spot lay down again by the hearth, sprawling out upon his side. Tabby curled her tail around her tucked-in feet and purred sleepily, and upstairs. A very happy boy lay planning how to better his invention. Master Wood was wrong in thinking the inventor's life a sad one. It is true that it is often full of disappointments, but the whippings seem to matter little to those who have the joy of working out their wonderful, great ideas. End of chapter 5